Welcome to Latchkey Urchins and Friends Podcast. I'm Allison Sabula. And I'm Ann Sherry. We are healing trauma with humor, humility, authenticity, imperfection, messiness, and compassion. Each week, we interview someone on a different childhood trauma and neglect topic. Our hope is to reduce the stigma of talking about mental health and offer some tools to heal. Latchkey kids are children who came home to an empty house after school each day and watched themselves. We are the children who fought viciously with our siblings. We set our toasters on fire making cinnamon toast and aimlessly roamed the neighborhood hoping for something to do. Urchins adapted to not need anyone. Our spiny prickly parts keep people at a distance. Sometimes we were the kids other kids' parents warned you about. Sometimes we were the kids who held it all together, saved our families, and got perfect grades in school. Sometimes we were the kids who were comforted by drugs and alcohol. Sometimes we were the adults who grew up not realizing what we didn't get. Whether you're a latchkey, an urchin, or a friend, you are wanted here. After a couple of weeks break. I know. I've missed you. Yeah, same. I know. It feels Even weird. Though we text and stuff, but not seeing you is is uh very strange. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what are you what have you been reading or watching or listening to oh. lately? Holy hell. In two weeks. Um well one I, I, I am reading a book about Nicaragua. We're going to Nicaragua, so I'm trying to read the history of that. So I, I always do that, too. Yeah. I read a book um, about the place I'm I know. I was like, yeah, and really being reminded how effing awful the U.S. Um, when they're they're wanting to um, – when they have interests outside. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's insane. I kind of knew the history, but I was a little on the young, uh, a little on the checked outside. But now that I'm actually reading, it, I'm like, oh, that's what everybody was protesting. We suck. We really suck. Okay, so there's that. Um, but the book that you had said, the truth, the truth by, by Neil, Neil Strauss. Strauss. Oh, I'm about three quarters of the way through that, um, and the 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 way that he realized how deeply. The emotional incest with his mother was is off the charts um and the fact that he's really just putting it out there i'm like she's gonna be mad at you and i'm like buying into mom's emotional incest you know whatever so um that is a fascinating read um isn't it amazing what we will do to avoid making our parents feel hypothetically like uh avoid making them feel uncomfortable Yes, yes, completely. <laughs> well, and so that's leading me to um, reading Passionate Marriage by David Schnarf. From, it was written in 1997. Um, and really, it's the, the big piece of that. Yes, it's all about, you know, and having better sex and more intimacy and blah, 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 blah. But he, his big claim to fame was um, merging that sex therapy and marriage counseling are not they, they're kind of treated separately but oh, he's like no <laughs> we don't need to pull those things need to be together it's the That's level awesome. of intimacy and yeah so the big thing there and i'll speak more about it in struggle party is starting um uh, reading about the differentiation that like what a concept to become your own person and how 
hard that is, you know, to be in a satisfying relationship, any relationship, any of our relationships, that you are an individual being with thoughts, feelings, desires, longings, and being able to, because we, we t- well, being able to speak for that. But and don't that's you like think crucial in boundaries. It's, it's yeah. having a practice of being able to regulate your own emotions. 100%. I think is the biggest part of differentiation. Not that I'm, I'm definitely yeah. not an expert on it. I, you know, I, I still have a Neither. lot, a lot to Got work it. to do. But if you don't yeah. have a practice of being able to say, I'm feeling X and I'm going to take a breath, I'm going to go for a run, I'm going to walk, I'm going to journal. If you don't have that practice yeah. of just regulating your own self, you're going to always yeah. count on your partner to regulate you. Yeah. And guess what? Other people cannot do that for no. you because you're just going to be, be like really on a boat, like always, yeah, yes, rocking back and forth. Exactly. There's no rudder. Yeah. Oh yeah, like they're not so, doing enough for yeah. me, but they're not doing enough. Right. Yeah, right. they're not. They're not oh, happy, yeah. and I need you to be happy right now so I can be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that too, and then what are we watching on TV? Jeez, we got back into Ozark. <laughs> do you know? Do you watch Ozark? So violent. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't watch. Season, no, I don't. No, I don't watch violent uh, shit like that. Why do I watch this? Oh, it's terribly violent. Yeah, but it's so good. So that's the other. I think that's the TV that we're watching, right? Oh, I know. One more TV show, everybody. If these are HBO. Um, we Own This City. Uh-huh. What's that one about? About Baltimore. It's about the police corruption in Baltimore. It is insane. Ooh, I mean, we know this, but that. they are doing... It is phenomenal it's so well done it seems Um, super dark (laughs) like just depressing super dark and super important how what was happening and they really depth into it like just um just the layers and layers and layers of how corruption gets passed on and how it's sanctioned and how it's okay and how they try to root it out and but um there's only three episodes out right now but um it's a total trigger warning especially for the people that experienced it um, mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. minority populations that have been um, devastated by police corruption. And, um, yeah, but it's phenomenally well done. So Sounds really good. That's and me over the last two weeks. Yes, yes. I just remembered that we have an important piece of business to share with everyone, which is that oh. we're going to switch. We're going to now make our podcast every other week. And, uh yes. We have been hearing from listeners like we miss you. (laughs) We yeah, we need we want your podcast back. So sorry if it's disappointing news for people who love our weekly episodes. Yes, we just need to add a little space in for other. Yes, I'll get to that in the struggle party. But we're these will now be every other week. So. Okay, so I have been reading, or I just finished um, the book Burnout, and I did notice that I I kind of get exhausted of that term burnout. So even though I noticed that this Mm -hmm. book existed, I was like, I'm just so tired of talking about burnout. But then I was listening to Glennon Glennon Doyle's um, podcast, the We Can Do Hard Things, because she interviews Liz Gilbert, and they're buddies. They're buddies, but you know, Liz is. So they both decided that they were actually lesbians at the same time. And I've always been so Mm. fascinated by that. Because, like, they were both married to men. They were both literally married to men. And at the exact same time, they were like, hey, guess what, world? We're actually lesbians. And I just met my soulmate. (laughs) And I'm leaving my husband. And now I'm with this woman. And I was so curious if they would talk about that. And they did. 
So that episode is amazing. I gotta listen. I gotta put that. I gotta put <laughs> conspirituality away um, because it's all doom and gloom on there. Like everything's going to shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah okay. So and it's the most until, recent episode of We Can Do Hard Things, and then the episode before that was the Nag- the Nagoski sisters. And uh, Emily Nagoski oh. had written uh, "Come as You Are," that amazing sex book for, for women. I know. I was. I was like, "Where do I know this name from?" When you sent me the thing. Yeah, okay, and so this, it. and now so th- right. the sister joins in for this one, and they talk about the female experience of burnout includes the fact that she and I love this term so much. It's so healing. She calls it human giver syndrome. And that women are raised to be human givers with human giver yes. syndrome. And that men yes. are the ones that get to be human beings. And we're human givers. And that, that felt sound fair. so <laughs> nourishing to just have someone validate. It's like, yes, I'm exhausted yes, of giving. Point it out. I am exhausted yes. of giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um as we've said on this, pi- this we podcast. We even say, like, I, I exhaust myself, too, with, like, personal development sometimes, do you know? Mm. Like, I got to give, I got to, what? what is, you know, just forever, there's some, I don't know, somehow it's clicking, but I don't know if I can speak it, but just this, like, just this endless personal development. I'm all for it, but it kind of can get to this frantic place of like, I've got to get, and I think it must tie in a little bit to the burnout. Well, why am I so burned out? Well, because I'm not resting enough. Well, why am I not resting enough? Well, let me go to therapy and try to fucking figure that out. You know, it's kind of like, well, or I could just stop. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna do a bunch of shit all the time. Y'all Make your own lunch or whatever, or figure it out, or you oh know, yeah, the caretaking is so endless. Yeah, they knew it. Yeah, I, yeah. But last weekend, I I did some play. I made um, I I cut out like uh, paper, stock paper, and made. <gasps> we played at the on the same time. We sent each other our stuff. Yeah, Yay. so we're doing it. Yeah. We put yeah. the development yeah. aside and we just played and we made yes. art. Yeah. That was, <laughs> I loved it. You were like, I made an art. I was like, I made an art too. I think we were doing it at the same time. Yay. Yeah. So breaks, the breaks in the podcast are good for they us. They are good for so, us. Because we, play. we play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So burnout, check that book out. It's actually amazing. Even if you're yeah. tired of hearing about burnout, this is a fresh take. It's a very fresh take. Okay. It's the take I needed. Yeah. Um, yes. To be like, I'm not making this up. It's almost like society is gaslighting us, you know? Oh, about totally. the fact that we have to do all the emotional labor for all the genders at all times. It's like, yes. like yeah, of course you're burned out. That's exhausting. <laughs> you know, and they're telling us to like I'm lean, lean in. And the legacy, yes. It's like, yeah. I don't want to lean yeah. in. Let me lean out of yeah. this one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you take it. Um, Somebody else pick up. And then what I'm watching is um, the Kanye documentary. I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I do. I think it's on Netflix. But basically, even before, like, as he was was starting to, like, decide that he was on this path to get famous, he he had the foresight to, to ask someone to, like, make a documentary about his life. So you're seeing it from the very beginning, like, amazing footage. And, and I thought as soon as I saw him, he's on the spectrum and I Googled it and the internet agrees. And so that was just fascinating to me because he just has this like single pointed focus that Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I've never had that in my life, you know, and he, but then he's not very good socially and he kind of avoids eye contact and he's, you know, so I'm like, okay, he has like a very unique mind. He has a neurodivergent mind that has enabled him to make some of the most beautiful music and really um, do this very unique thing at that time in the hip hop world that I think only his mind could do. But then like, right you know, he is someone who's really battling mental health issues right now and really like struggling and has really hurt a lot of people. So, um, you know, like lately he's like been threatening his, his ex-wife and her new partner and that, you know, that stuff is very troubling and just seeing like, um, just seeing his early days and kind of putting those pieces together of how did he get yeah. here? How did he become so famous, but also so um, challenged, you know, and he has, right. he has bipolar. It's so good. So check out the Kanye, the Kanye documentary. Okay. So the real struggle party this week is that Anne had some technical difficulties recording. And so, um, yeah, that's the struggle party for both of us. And we both kind of alluded to where we're going to get to some other, some other topics, but, uh, struggle party is tech issues. So it's, it's just me here introducing our amazing interview with Eric Atchison, who is a minister that we, well, I felt inspired to interview him because at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were kind of like, I think I need a spiritual practice. Like after two years of the pandemic, which was just so hard on every level, I think a lot of people, even like my friends who are, you know, tend to be more secular, were just like, I need to find meaning. And I think a lot of us are battling depression and anxiety. And so these are things that Eric is intimately acquainted with and shares um, really well of how he balances mental health with his spiritual practice as a minister. And I think you're just going to love this interview. And we loved talking to Eric. Here it is. Anne and I are here with Eric Atchison. Welcome, Hi, thanks Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, Reverend Dr. Eric Atchison is an ordained pastor in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, and 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 that's how I know Eric. We were both going to. Uh, it was it was like I was like a loosely affiliated Disciples of Christ congregation in, mm-hmm. in Berkeley. Yeah. Right. The Tapestry mm-hmm. Ministries. Yeah. Um, and the author of two books. Oregon Trail Theology, The Frontier Millennial Christians Face, and How We're Ready. That was published in 2018. And On Earth As It Is in Heaven, a faith-based toolkit for economic justice, published in 2020. And he's a parish minister by training who's dedicated himself through his preaching, speaking, and writing to his calling as a prophetic and pastoral voice rooted in the scriptures. Um, And we will include a link to his longer bio in the show notes but um, Eric, you are from you're from uh-huh. Kansas, right? And and so we were just commenting. He's got his Ted Lasso shirt on, uh, and you yeah. said your Ted, the fictional character Ted Lasso, is from your your hometown. Tell us more um, about that. Well, and went to your high school or your elementary uh, school, elementary, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So 
And that's okay. because Jason so Sudeikis, the actor who plays Ted Lasso, is, is also from my hometown. Uh, so is Paul Rudd oh. and Eric Stone Street, Rodney Pete, the NFL quarterback, and uh, Janelle Monet. What? Was, has Kansas what City is your roots? hometown? Yes. Uh, Overland Park, Kansas. What? I don't even... Yeah. How, how did all these people... Uh, what is going okay. on? <laughs> what's, going, what's going on in Kansas? Um, so, Jason Sudeikis and I went to the same elementary school, obviously not at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he okay. made... Ted, when Ted Lasso went from being sort of just that viral commercial to a full-blown TV show, uh, he decided to make Ted Lasso from Kansas. And so he coached the Wichita State football team, which is where I was born. I was born in Wichita... And um, there's mm-hmm. a reference in the in one of the early episodes uh, to a less a life lesson that Ted Lasso learns on the, the the mean playgrounds of Brookridge Elementary School, which I found hysterical because um, Brookridge Elementary School uh, was like um, three years of my life of just uh, nothing but tetherball and foursquare on the playgrounds. Oh, that's so, like, my childhood. So I'm like imagining the lessons that Ted Lasso would have learned playing tetherball and foursquare. And I'm wearing my Ted Lasso shirt. Tetherball. If you were on, if you were with me, tetherball, there was some lessons for sure. Oh, foursquare. Foursquare was a blood sport. We, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. When you were in the zone and you were in the one square, you would just get people out and you just shout next, next, yeah. Um, yeah, I was rough. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so we're, we're super stoked to have you, um, join our podcast and, um, I've known Eric since, since 2008 and we're, we're super, I'm super excited to kind of ask you about, some very millennial predicaments in terms of economic. I'm outnumbered here. I'm a Gen X. So, yeah. I hate <laughs> well, this. So, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Yes. We, you can, <laughs> we can still participate. Okay. Yeah. Yes. We didn't get participation uh, trophies. Well, yes. Okay. Like you guys did. Really? Yeah, we didn't? had to earn it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so um, what happened was kind of, you know, at the start of this year, I had a number of friends reach out to me and say, I think I need a spiritual practice um, just because of how hard 2021 was and 2020 with the pandemic. I mean, my mental health has, I wouldn't say it's never been worse because, you know, I, I, it was bad. It's been bad. <laughs> your, your, your bar is real low. Yeah. On the- it's real low. <laughs> Yeah, it's real low. It's lower than all. Yeah. And, um, but it's, I'm definitely feeling challenged. I know that a lot of my friends are Mm -hmm. too. And I know that a lot of our listeners are too. And, um, I love, um, Eric's spiritual practice is so deeply rooted in social justice, um, that I just, um, felt like it would just be great to, to have you join Mm -hmm. us today, Eric, and, and help us sort through some of these topics. So, um, but first, and you want to ask him our first question? Yes. What do you um, identify as a latchkey kid, an urchin, or a friend? Yeah. A friend? Uh, definitely a latchkey kid. Um, yeah. And 
Every single, wait, it's every person. Yeah. Even where I was like, Eric is so grounded. Eric is, is you know, sh- yeah. surely Eric was not no, a latchkey kid. kid. It's every. My, my parents <laughs> yeah. are high, high powered attorneys. My dad's now actually a judge and my mom owns her own law firm in Kansas City. Wow. And wow. Uh, before becoming a judge, my dad was an attorney with the Boilermakers Labor Union for, for m- most of my childhood. And my mom wow. is a civil rights and defense attorney and was always chasing down like the next big thing for um, you know, someone who is in jail for, for, wrong- for, for being wrongfully convicted for crimes wow. they never committed. And that was a huge wow, part of Eric. her practice. Uh, for me growing up. And so I had a very uncommon childhood, like not just the latchkey portion, uh, but mm-hmm. the conversations around the dinner table, um, you know, le- learning about the finer points of uh, habeas corpus and constitutional law and forensic science uh, was a very uncommon childhood. And, yeah. um yeah. But, you know, before we, you, you get to the dinner table, you know, I get home from, from school and if it's not a day that I have like basketball or, or soccer, I am a full on, I was a full on latchkey kid. I'd walk home and wow, I'd yeah. have Nickelodeon uh, on mm-hmm. between, you know, 3.30 and 4 or 6 o'clock. Um, yeah. And I, was, uh, and I was talking about that at church yesterday, actually, for Easter, um, because when uh, Gilbert Gottfried passed away last week, uh, in his yeah. honor, I watched the Are You Afraid of the Dark episode that he stars in with, of all people, Ryan Gosling. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And Are You Afraid of the... We'll link to that in the yeah, show notes. And Are You Afraid of the Dark was like one of those quintessential like early 90s latchkey kid television shows. That was like my yeah. favorite, favorite yeah. show. I don't know yeah. that show. I was already out, whatever, driving around. Yeah, yeah that show cigarettes. wasn't for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um do you was your um like what'd you get up to in that time tv did you Mm. play kickball did you you, yeah we we also ask about right where we are at some point developing a cookbook a latchkey cookbook so So what was your favorite recipes that you made um my uh grilled cheese toasties grilled cheese toasties i take a bagel or some a bagel or some bread and uh, maybe spray some, some of that like uh, bright yellow mustard. Damn. Yeah. And oh, then some, and slap some, some orange cheese on it and shove it into the toaster or the microwave. Yeah. Okay. Toasters. It's toasters. It's toasters. So every that's, time. That, that yeah. was my, yeah, yeah. that was <laughs> my Was go-to. it the craft single where it's almost impossible no. to get the plastic off or did you have, did no, you have I, I had to like, cheese, I, had to like, like I had to like hand slice it myself. Oh, I, I probably okay. shouldn't knives have been using and everything. No, probably shouldn't have been using sh- knives. Lawyer, his parents were lawyers; they could afford. Oh yeah, yeah, but <laughs> you know, yeah, but yeah. they, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they had like their yeah. Cub Scout kid. I was like, yeah, I, I, I know how to use a knife. I'm like, I, I went to yes. Cub Scouts. You know? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a whole knife. movement <laughs> of letting kids like use power tools and uh, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes me feel so nervous. You know, there's probably a EMS truck outside the school. I don't think I'm quite ready for that yet. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, She can use the play power tools. Do Mm -hmm. you, Eric, I'm so curious. Mm -hmm. Did you, uh, was the table talk of all the finer points of habeas Mm -hmm. corpus and was was that satisfying or did you sometimes, I don't know if it was balanced Mm -hmm. out with just talking about like so-and-so did some dumb 
stuff at school or uh, or, or did once I started doing dumb stuff of... at school, yes. Once yes, I started doing okay. stump, dumb stuff at school, yes, that that did get balanced okay. out. Um, yeah, um, I yeah. learned a lot about um, uh, race in the criminal justice system as a kid. Yeah, uh, that like I'm sure none, of, very few of my peers, unless they were of color, would have also also learned. Um, and I was too young at the time to kind of put all those pieces together. I really needed to be an adult to understand like mm-hmm. why my parents did what they did. Like, and I think that was a big difference. It was like, as a kid, I could see pieces of it, but I didn't fully grasp why my parents, why the work that my parents did was so important. I had to be older and more mature to really yeah. understand the depth of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That is rough. I mean, it's sort of like, I don't, um, there's no end of injustices. And I, I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes getting into this work and, um, but that being able to balance it out with joy and pleasure mm-hmm. as well, you know, yeah. it, it's a hard, it's, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that's some of what spiritual practices are about that, um, that's a heavy world that was, you were yeah. exposed to early. Um, well, I truthfully, I consider it impressive that my parents have kept with those careers without burning out. Yeah. You know. No doubt. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And are still well, what do they do? Do they do they have good practices or good like joyful How do they not burn out? <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Tell us the Yes, honestly. what is the secret? <laughs> like this is we need this we, in we every need house. Your on here I, next. Honestly, yeah, you should have had them on instead of me. Yeah. Um <laughs> call them like let's let's like let's yeah. dial them in um, yeah i know what are their what are their yeah, names yeah, Eric? gordon and cheryl uh they will they would be gordon we gordon and cheryl yeah. call them up yes um, <laughs> i'm sure they'd be uh, more than happy with my my dad i know it was always food his dad my grandfather is a retired professional chef and all of the men in my mm. family cook like that it's a that's a thing it took me a while to get the gene i eventually did but like I think for my dad, you know, he has to live in his head, uh, f- you know, for so much of his work life um, and being able to um, to create, you know, sort of those meals with his hands and to mm-hmm. um, he, t- he takes a lot of pride in that cooking. And he and I would also purposefully take time out for, um, you know, to enjoy outings together, soccer games, basketball games where like. I wouldn't talk about school. He wouldn't talk about work. It was just being present and sort of in that nice. uh, time yes. together. When I look back on it now, it's like, oh yeah, that I can see why that was why that was important. I think my 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 mom, as she puts it, is uh, is is a is a big fan of, of of taking care of yourself. And she raised my sister and me in the church, and that's always been a really integral part of 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 her taking care of herself has been her faith. My dad, on the other hand, I call him a CEO. He's a Christmas and Easter only uh, attendee. <laughs> we get him to church. I've actually never heard that. If we get him to church uh, on those two days, he's as good. He's good. He's got his goal. Yeah. 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 My great, yeah. my grandparents, as we're recording this, you know, Easter mm-hmm. just happened and my grandparents, um, were, they went to. They always go to church every Sunday, but they were joking that the the pastor said that. You know, it's it's nice to see all. I haven't seen some of you since Christmas. Yes, <laughs> my, you usually have to get my, a dig, my, some sort of dig in. Yeah, 
And, so, and that's not really my thing as a pastor because I think of like, okay, I, I only watch the Super Bowl. I don't have pro football players lecturing me on why I'm not cooning in every Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but my first Sunday, my first Christmas as a made pastor uh, on the receiving line after the Christmas Eve service, I did have someone shake my hand and say, uh, see you at Easter, pastor. And I said, you know what? Points for honesty. Like you yeah. set that bar where it needs to be set. Like don't, you that's know. Right. Yeah. Don't set your, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, but so feelings mm-hmm. though in childhood, how were mm-hmm. how did feelings happen? Um, I, I definitely had. Um, in, in sort of full disclosure, like I live with a with a couple of mental illness diagnoses, and those really did come to the forefront um, in childhood in a way that sort of was pretty deleterious to my health for a while, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, mm. for several years. Um, and it took, okay. it took some, it took my parents some work to really get me into treatment and it took some time to figure out what treatment I most needed. Um, and so there were a few years of my life that like, I look back on and, you know, I think what might've been, but I've mm. mostly made my, you, totally. I've mostly made my peace with, with sort of the, mm-hmm. with that because, like if you if if you're a former gifted kid then you're also a, a kid with unfulfilled potential like that just comes with the job description we yeah. did a whole episode yeah. on that um i it's called i saved my family and all i got was this participation mm-hmm. trophy mm-hmm. about millennial kids mm-hmm. those of us born in the mm-hmm. 80s being raised with such high expectations. Yeah. Yes. And we had none. We talk yeah. about yeah. those those gate and, programs, yeah. gifted and talented education. And they the, and you can do kinda, anything. You can be damaging. anything. Yeah. And, I th- and my theory about message. and my theory yeah. about that is because we are the baby the echo of the baby boom. Like we're the kids of the yes. baby boomers. Yes. And maybe some and some very young Gen Xers uh, mm-hmm. might also be, you know, if you were born in the late seventies, you might, you, you might be a, a kid of, of, of boomers, but it was really the kids of the eighties that were sort of the, the echo of the boomers and the boomers really did, you know, were that generation that grew up in what is, you know, that idyllic leave it to beaver nostalgia that of course, of course it wasn't like that, you know, be, but like that's sort of the the image that for better or I've, you know, probably mostly for worse got carried over through the, yeah. through the decades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. wanting that sort of that particular narrow brand brand of individual personal prosperity. Yeah. You know, really. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's, Ooh, I think that's right. a big, that was a big contributor um, because I could, I, I, I struggled to make sense as a kid, or I guess I should say as a teenager, sort of coming of age, how I could see so many parents of my peers personally want the very best for their kids, but then, for instance, support a war in which their kid's generation was going to have to go and fight and die, like trying to make yeah. sense of that. And yeah. it was really... Th- Did you... <laughs> Did you make sense of it? Uh, no, like it, it, it was a... No. It was like... A, an, like an existential, like, like it was, it was a breaking of covenant. Mm. Like it was a breakdown of right relationship because the people who should have protected mm. us only saw them. Like, I think saw themselves as protecting us on that individual parent to kid level, but not on that societal level 
of like, we're not mm-hmm. going to send, maybe I don't want to send my kid to war, but I shouldn't want to send my kid's peers to an unjust right. war. Right. 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 Like there was that missing Where's that disconnect? Because Anne and I always ask, why can't we care? Mm-hmm. And I do ask myself that a lot with boomers. I, of course, obviously, it's not all boomers or whatever, but I think we can make some generalizations based on the data. But why, yeah. <laughs> what is going on with the world that they created? Well, how did it get like yeah. this? You know, with a, um, yeah. wage and income and wealth disparities, the wars. And I tried to answer that yeah. question a little bit with my first book. Uh, because Oregon mm-hmm. Trail theology is sort of two things. First, it's sort of a love letter to the older millennial generation. And I should say, I, I, if, I, if I wrote the book today, as opposed to writing it five years ago, I would have revised my de- definition of the Oregon Trail generation to include uh, a couple years of those younger Gen Xers. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I do believe yeah. there is more overlap than I think I was probably giving credit for at the time. Like I, that is something yeah. I would go back and redo. Um, but it was sort of, so that was sort of the first part or the first real aspect of it was just like, you know, we were raised with these, these impossible expectations. It's okay that we have withdrawn from some of that, those expectations and the relationships mm-hmm. around them. But the second part was like, okay, well, how did we get there to begin with? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and trying to understand within the church, like the the antipathy that that is is only growing. Like it's only growing from millennials younger to, to Gen Z, who have even sort of I think a lower view of the church than millennials do. Um, is how did we get here where our elders wanted us to take this inheritance, but not really. They still they still want to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. It, but at the same time, we don't really want that inheritance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it's kind of trying to answer that question. Like, we don't want the church that we're being given. Right. Mm. And so it's. What is the church we're being given? Um, in in yeah. a couple, it, couple it, sentences. It, it, I, I joke Small that it's, it's, it's a Cold War relic in two ways. One way is that it, mm-hmm. again, sort of affirms that 1950s Leave it to Beaver aesthetic. Uh, that again, I think has been um, nuclear family yeah, that has been glamorized in ways that are deeply unhealthy. But secondly, mm-hmm. it's a Cold War relic where, in a lot of ways, the church resembles a, a sort of centrally planned economy uh, where, like, uh, people in a small cadre, whether it's a church board or um, uh, you know, something similar says, okay, here's the jobs we need filled and you're going to fill them even if it's not, maybe not what, what's best for the church to move forward. And even if it doesn't really fit your gifts, we're not interested in creating roles that fit your gifts. We're interested in making you fit the role. And so conformity, mm. conformity got rewarded above excellence. Ooh. Mm. And, we, mm. yet we are being told to be excellent, like Bill and Ted, be, be excellent to each other. Mm. But w- w- with those high hopes, we had to choose between sort of living into our gifts or accepting the roles that were being prescribed to us that we could not be fully, truly excellent in. 
Mm-hmm. And we would never fill those expectations because those roles weren't ours. And so we were forced into that choice. And millennials, by and large, have are, are increasingly saying, and again, Gen Z behind us are saying, we'll go be excellent. At, we'll, we'll take, we'll, we'll be excellent elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Wow. Outside mm-hmm. the church, you mean? Outside the, yeah, the right. traditional brick-and-mortar church. And that's not to say yeah. that there's not a faith component to people's yeah. lives anymore. Like, that's not what's happening. Unaffiliated does not automatically equal atheist. It can. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it, can mm-hmm. it, it absolutely can, but it doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And so... Because I feel, it feels like, is not is the trend that people are becoming less, tr- like millennials, mm-hmm. I guess, le- less church going, yes. right? Is that yes. the trend? Um, less, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. expensive so, uh, to keep up a church, too. Yes. Like, and, and of those <laughs> like, who are you know? church going, they may yeah. not be at church every single Sunday without fail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, especially uh, as millennials increasingly um, have children or don't, you know, uh, because uh, economically it hasn't really been ideal for us to be having kids. But for those of us who, 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 right. who do, um, you know, there are added, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to get kids out the door at nine in the morning. Um, right. on it, you know, mm-hmm, and if you're doing mm-hmm, it the other mm-hmm. six days of the week for school and sports, like, that's to- so yeah. true. Yeah. And so I think you're seeing yeah. one of the things that COVID did for better or for worse was it forced churches that to this point had, had actively rejected asynchronous religious experience. It forced them to accept it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. COVID is like, terrible in so many ways, but I think gifts are being realized. Mm-hmm. Slowly. Totally. Yeah. And I want to say that that isn't just yeah. for the benefit of oh, us. Yeah. You know, like right. I, the, the, the congregation I minister, we, we, like many congregations, we have people who are homebound due to age or, dis, or disability, and they had been excluded from in person yep. worship service. But because COVID forced this rethinking yep. of worship, they are a, we have congregants who had not been able to participate and are participating again. Yeah. So it's not just our, for our church right, invested right, right, right. in yeah. um, technology. Like, mm-hmm. so we're back yeah. in person with mass, but we, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, yeah. a it, I don't think we'll ever not have an online service is yep. my understanding. Like it yep. will be simultaneous. So, I think, and yeah, we, we I started th- getting member or members or people from all over the country. Us too. <laughs> we're starting yeah. to, yeah. 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 Like oh, we, yeah, we, so yeah. cool. we just did Holy Week and we have like, Holy Week devotionals that our members write personally and we publish. Mm-hmm. And uh, that mailing list has grown to include people all over the country. Yeah. And so we're like, you know, this little ministry that might have been envisioned just for us has become yeah. a ministry that's connected us to people we've never met in person. Yeah. There's this mm-hmm. like, um, just, I even, because I did not grow up, I my parents were whatever they had religious trauma i'm mm-hmm. discovering and we grew up with nothing and like in the south in south carolina that was mm-hmm. weird 
to be the same yeah. because the first question yeah. is what church do you go to and yeah. i was like what i don't yeah. know mm-hmm. my friend's church whoever i spend the night with on saturday i mean i, I always felt very out of place going to church mm-hmm. i never had the right clothes i didn't know what they were doing blah 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 so i went way away from that and got into uh in my religious studies degree i was much more interested in buddhism blah 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 but as a um I don't, when did I start going to church? I, I realized a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, five, six. Yeah, years ago, but it was you were a really. Like, I think I'm going to be a Christian yeah. now. You're like, I remember you texting me, and you're like, and why I still not apologize when in... I tell people I go to church. I'm like, it's not, it's not that kind of church. I, I'm like, I'm envisioning the churches that I grew up with that felt very judgy, and mm-hmm. so it's really still weird to say I, but mm-hmm. that I go to a Christian church. Um, but it's super inclusive i mean it's it's the type i mean it's something you i can completely get behind i mean mm-hmm. it's community well, it's Eric... inclusive and so i'm curious i i, I we've had oh, okay. uh pastors come from i think your disciples of christ like mm-hmm. i've had we've had a guest pastor and i was like that sounds they sound really cool you know so yeah. i'm curious like you're yeah. um Getting away from that message or the the Cold War relic, yeah. like I, I really do want to let people know, like there's a Christianity out there that is freaking mm-hmm. awesome, actually, <laughs> really, really and, amazing. And I think half yeah. our congregants might even be atheists, but they're there for community and equity work and togetherness. So yeah, um, I, I don't think know if it's there's a, a question bi- in yeah. there. <laughs> no, I, I it's yeah. there is certainly there was certainly that expectation, and I think one of the ways that that kind of gets carried over is you know asking like what church do you attend is uh, a status like, I, I i've i've i have dogs and it's like this is our equivalent of dogs sniffing each other's behinds like <laughs> it just is it's it's it's, it's more of a yeah. club question yes it's it a, is like, are you part of i wonder it felt like shit as a kid yeah yeah and there yeah. are churches for whom Letting go of that clubbiness can be very trying and, and, and difficult to let go of. Um, I'm laughing. I just want to say one little thing yeah. here. We used to, there's a church in Spartanburg called the Church of the Advent, and it, I think we, we nicknamed it the Church of the Advantaged. So, anyways. Mm. Uh, Sorry if y'all go there, whoever's listening, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the dog I, uh, sniffing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. It there there is, and, and there's. I think the other byproduct. Um, sorry, let me. The the other way in which what you're describing the yeah. Blah, 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 what you're describing is also a byproduct of the sort of segregation of churches on socioeconomic lines, but also along, you know, racial lines, um, mm-hmm. which is true not just here in the deep south but you know across you know across the country um yeah and so there is still sort of um there's a racial component to that question that i've found very difficult to escape um Mm -hmm. in part because um you know i'm an an ethnic armenian serving in, in a very non-Armenian denomination and congregation, whereas a lot of, you know, Armenian Christians would congregate in primarily historically Armenian congregations. Right. And so it's, um, 
there, there are additional layers of explanation that can go into, into, mm -hmm. into a question that's so simple and so rote, but that is meant to communicate a whole lot of expectation. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, something I haven't ever been able to really square and never got good answers from prosperity type Christians is like, how do you square it? Like, I don't know the Bible the at prosperity all. prosperity stuff? Yeah, but like Jesus was super of poor. Like, I deserve He's turning tables over mm. and like the meek shall inherit the earth. A couple of quotes that, you know, like <sighs> the last come yeah. first. I was like, how do y'all... Dude, what Joel Osteen, explain yourself. Like yeah. what the frick? I never <laughs> I'm like, it's so blatant hypocrisy. Uh, it's so confusing because it's like whatever. What I what I tell <laughs> yeah. people is that um, my my respect for prosperity theology knows no bounds in that it could expand infinitely in any direction and never reach a single thing. Yeah. So my res my res that's how little respect I have yeah. for it is it yes. could expand <laughs> yes. as yes. much as possible yes. and it would never okay actually okay reach okay yep yeah um, got it, it yeah. to me that's a very prosperity way of describing it because prosperity is all about that expansion and that growth right you know and what I'm saying is it I never love actually that. reaches anything yeah. it, yes I so. love it yeah. Um, but it is still, it's you know, a, it's a, it's that's very, very cult-like. Prosperity well, Christianity feels like. But it's, a cult. it's very American. Yeah. yeah, it's very American. Yes, like, exactly. It's very American. The roots exactly. of yeah. it. Well, America's in, a cult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the roots of it mm -hmm. are in preachers who were hired in the not, late nineteenth and early twentieth century were bankrolled by the tycoons of that day, the Carnegies and yes. the Vanderbilts, to yes to preach anti-union. Uh, theology to to their flocks, and mm. so that's where mm -hmm. you got sort of the the merging of American Christianity and individual prosperity. The individualism was already there. America was always yes, uh, or, or, or I, yeah. Let me say historically, white America was always fiercely individualistic. But then you had the merging of sort of morality and prosperity that has a very specific historical root. And it was, you know, and it's in sort of the bankrolling of the church by uh, people who had very specific interests in keeping people from seeing themselves as too much of a community. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And that's the exact thing that has drawn me. So screw you, tycoons. Mm -hmm. I grew up with nothing. <laughs> And it is this toxic individualism that finally led me, like, kind of mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, I'll go. You know, like, that's the mm -hmm. only place that I saw, um, one, sort of asking around, who are the liberal churches, you know? So I didn't know anything. I was like, United Church of Christ. I was like, oh, do they have to put Christ in the name? Like, it just sounded like super, <laughs> like, whatever, too Christian well, for me. You know, um, but you, it was like the, the only place, yeah, yeah, that was like doing the work and the Christianity, that's where my equity stuff like really deepened. I was like, oh, you have to do it in community. You cannot go mm -hmm. it alone. You're not going to make any, you don't get anywhere. You will burn yourself out, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. I think one of the things that's really important that's happening now, and I see it, like I've seen it in the last two years of living in Birmingham and in my wife's work with, um, you know, with 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 uh, congregations and synagogues and mosques across Alabama, is that mm -hmm. it is 
entirely possible to have a, a deep, profound faith in the saving power of Jesus Christ and at the same time be in full partnership with non-Christians towards a common liberation, anti-oppression ends. Yes. And yeah, so absolutely. Um, I, I see the... Uh, and, and that's increasingly how um, how I see my faith, where can it be deep, but not be, where the, where the depth can maybe be more important than the breadth, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think mm-hmm. Christianity, uh, and, and especially, again, that historically white European Christianity, has valued breadth at the expense of depth, where if mm. we can get someone to recite mm-hmm. the sinner's prayer or get them baptized... It's good, even if, especially if there's some advantage to it for us. Right. When we've forgotten mm-hmm, sort mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm, verticality mm-hmm. of how deep can we go within ourselves and, and really value that yeah. over, you know, uh, how many people we've gotten to start thinking like us. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that so was it. That, it was like, yeah. Yeah. So it was the going deep. It was therapeutic yeah. work that, like, mm-hmm. then I, I realized I was like, ah, oh, I did a lot of therapy solo, you know, in and off. And then I was like, I got to be in community, you know. So mm-hmm. it was really the depth work that I, and that was the community yeah. that was here in Nashville and, um, that led me to it. Yeah. But that was kind of first. Yeah. And, and I think when you talk about, like, what does a, what does a spiritual life look like right mm-hmm. now? That's a huge part of that is the connective tissue. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge yes. Yes. difference from self-care, which isn't to say that self-care isn't important, sure. but that spirituality is intrinsically meant to be connective. Yeah, It's meant to deepen mm. your connection to yourself, your connection to creation, your, cre- your connection to the creator, of that creation mm-hmm. and your connection to everyone else around you. So yeah. I would argue mm-hmm. that spirituality is fundamentally connective in mm-hmm. a way that, yeah. um, you know, uh, taking a bubble bath just isn't. I'm not dissing bubble baths, yeah. but that. Totally. I'm not dissing <laughs> bubble baths, but that, like, when you talk yeah. about this, yeah. is this a spiritual practice for me? That's one of the first questions is, is it connective? And the second I would yeah. say is like, is it freeing? And that's, I think, mm-hmm. a huge difference that I've had to learn as a result of the pandemic is I, this is one way in which I've progressed in my, in my faith, is I used to understand spiritual exercises as more about restoration rather than liberation. Like, do yeah. spiritual exercises mm-hmm. fill me up? And sure, that's important, but it's incomplete. Because if yeah. I'm not living freely in a state of liberation if having been ransomed by god then i'm i'm never going to be fully restored you know i'm always going to be sort of be um missing some component to to who i am you know mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. so um is this is your spiritual life something that is setting you free as well as restoring you and I think that's another component that for uh, sort of the, the latchkey generation and younger is moving them away from the institutional church. It's not freeing. Mm-hmm. No. Mm. 
It's no. not freeing. Um, Good point. But there's that other piece that I ran up against, you know, and I, because I, I am curious, because I, I want to mm-hmm. proselytize some of them. I'm like, look, mm-hmm. I didn't go to church. I didn't grow up with anything. But being out of yeah. community sucks, you know? Yes. So how do yeah. you have that? I mean, mm-hmm. I just, and the, the pandemic really did, because I was like, oh, online yeah. church is too hard, whatever. And we're I'm just coming back, and it yeah. feels good to be amongst mm-hmm. these people that just are like it's mm-hmm. everything i missed in childhood we're good to see mm-hmm. you you we don't really expect a whole you know like we just mm-hmm. want you here just whenever you show up i'm like oh can this be true and parts of me just keep like it's a little anxiety producing to be that communal mm-hmm. it's almost like the nourishment barrier to be that like is this real you know it's like yeah. not the american experience so yeah that um, so. and, 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 and I don't, and there's no paint by numbers way to explain how to produce something like no. that. It's, it's sort of no. sui generis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, or rather it's, it's kind of like, uh, obscenity. You know it when you feel it or when you see it, <laughs> you know, or hear it, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. like I don't have a, like. A, a neatly laid out this is what community must feel like and must um, be experienced as in part because mm-hmm. COVID sort of so turned that on its head yeah. um, mm-hmm. but I do th- but what hasn't sort of gone away is that um, whatever you, you might call it sort of of gut or instinct or I would call it sort of the leading of the spirit that says, I am where I need to be in order to grow in a way that makes me more reflective of the creator. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, you know, mm. and, and I think that's something that for me really has been tough during the pandemic is to, is I'm having to keep asking myself, Am I, as a minister leading a congregation, you know, in a new city, in a new region, am I where I need to be to grow alongside this new place? Like you grow. Mm-hmm. Like your and, personal. And to, and to, yeah. and to mm-hmm. help others grow because that's part of, mm-hmm. of, of being a minister. And, um, and that has been a very, and, that, and the pandemic has made that so much tougher and not, not just for me, I think for helping professions more broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was no break. Absolutely. We didn't yeah. sit around with sourdough starter. We were on it. Like mm-hmm. next day, it was like, we're Zooming. I didn't, My practice yeah. just carried I, I, I didn't yeah. get around to the bread bake. I didn't get around to the bread <laughs> no. bake until this year. After, after yes. almost two oh. years of the pandemic, I finally got around to bread baking. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to quit my, I had to quit my caring yeah. job. Um, yeah. You know, the pandemic started and I worked in, in trauma, mm-hmm. the field of trauma, um, trauma healing. And it, we just were go, 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 mm-hmm. go, go, go. I produced a series of, of Zoom talks over, you know, from 2020 to 2021, where we were just on there supporting, holding space, exploring issues, you know, you, and I just yeah, got just so burned out. I just had to stuff. quit. When you were like, hey, watch this. I, I was like, are you kidding yeah. me? Do you know what I've been doing all this week? I am not watching another thing on yeah, and I think, Trauma. and I think yeah. that's why there's yeah. been such a a backlash to the rush back to the office. 
because there's yes. the, that, mm-hmm. that 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 expectation to return to the office is the, the, the assumption underneath it is well you guys have just been loafing off at home, and that's been yes. the complete opposite has been the case where our homes have had to become spaces of labor rather than spaces yeah. of yes. which is no sanctuary too. right right <laughs> right like yeah. my my younger yeah, yeah. sister works as a uh, public health professional for the University of Missouri at Kansas City and she and part of mm-hmm. one of her her jobs is to uh, write edit and host a podcast very similar to this one she lives in a little one bedroom apartment and for over a year she was hosting that podcast from her bathroom oh. like no no home space at all and so there was so, so to work from home yeah there was a price to be paid mm-hmm. and and sort of Pretending that that was a, 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 a multi-month or multi-year vacation just so we can go back to work and so that that sort of um, uh, socioeconomic class of managers whose sole job is to physically supervise right. us can have their jobs back. Right. Like right. that's not right. – that's right. not well said. sort of – Well said. Um, yes. A, that's not – yeah. Um. Yeah. Mm. And, and but that's the same the same trouble that the church is facing, right? Is like mm-hmm. we may want to go back to business as usual, but that that Rubicon's been crossed. Yeah. And and we can't. Yeah. And we want to feel seen for what mm-hmm. we've sacrificed. I yeah. think yes. before we are asked to sacrifice mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that I think it is kind of happening. It feel you know like I'm currently job searching and. Um, it feels like a more hospitable environment to be job searching, mm-hmm. you know, as I can, I can have some boundaries like, no, I'm not going to apply for a job that doesn't have the salary listed. Yep. Uh, like I'm not, I'm not going to yeah. do that. You need to respect yep. me yeah. as a worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a great, you know, those types of things. A great headline where a uh, head hunter business. Um, I don't know if you saw this was um, any, the, the, the way they net their, um, uh, uh, network engineers or whatever tech people, as soon as a company posts that we're going back to the office, they start contacting those oh, engineers and and stealing and them to get them to companies that aren't going that back. Post. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. awesome. I yeah, it's almost post. like That's yeah, a little bit of labor union ish yeah. without being yeah. a union is like it's, it's organizing. Well, yeah. we're organizing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like the Starbucks, yeah. which I'm the, the Starbucks in downtown here in downtown Birmingham is. Uh, right now being targeted uh, for anti-union activities by Starbucks Corporation. Wow. Because they are, well, because I they are, they are able to unionize. Right. Yeah. Uh, and um, wow. sending positive vibes to mm. Birmingham. And, yep. um, uh, and I think, and I think you're seeing, one of the ways you're seeing that in the church is we've swung hard. And, and from my understanding, this is across denominations. We've swung hard from, a clergy surplus to a clergy shortage. And one of the things that Allison, you had wanted to talk, me to talk about was like us coming into the yeah. job market of the great recession. Um, and I, 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 yeah, yeah, let me, well, let me, let me give a mm-hmm. background of how, of how Eric and I, you know, originally kind of met a little more background on that. I had moved back to Berkeley from Asheville where I had known Anne 
to finish my degree. I had dropped out because I ha- my depression caught up with me. I was a, I was using drugs um, in a way that wasn't sustainable. I went to rehab. I moved to Asheville, and then I was like, I'm ready. Let me go back to Berkeley. But I was very wounded. But also, due to taking a break, I had a lot of tools too. And I was like, I need community. Um, I had been a member of a, of a great church in Asheville, and I knew that I wanted that when I got to Berkeley. Um, and so I ended up finding Tapestry, and then, Eric, you were leading an interfaith discussion mm-hmm. group amongst students, um, and we would visit different different congregations, different churches, different denominations, mm-hmm. and then meet up again and talk about them, um, discuss. And I still, to this day, remember, this was in 2008, I still remember those conversations. They were so mm-hmm. meaningful about, you know, what did what worked for you about this one we visited? What didn't? What are you relating to? What does your faith look like for you? How are you showing up? And then, um, and I just think um, it was such an important mental health tool for me to come back and say, now I want to succeed in my life. The dr- I'm not doing the drugs anymore. I need to take care of my mental health. Um, and the way that I'm going to do that is by... Um, showing up in a spiritual community and actually engaging, mm-hmm. you know, actually looking people in the eye and talking about what my faith looks like in practice, you know, and listening when people tell me. Um, but <laughs> 2008, 2009, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so it's a group of us young folks, you know, we, I graduated from my undergrad in 2009. It took me three years to get a full-time job that didn't even have benefits. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah. So yeah, Mm -hmm. if you could, um, and I, I remember some of those, if you could fix that, Eric, if you could just just fix fix that that for us, how is the church going to, how is (laughs) Christianity going to fix that? Where are they going to stop taking? And and, uh, what does that look like? (laughs) We were just talking about prosperity theology. Yes. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I graduated from seminary a couple years later in 2011. I was profoundly fortunate to get my first call in a matter of months. I had classmates waiting a year or more for their first congregations. Well, your sermons are oh. good. That's, I'm just, look. <laughs> Thank I, you. They're good. Um, okay. But we, you know, what one of the things that, that sort of the Great Recession kind of punished people who were just starting careers because it also punished the people who were hoping to conclude their careers. You know, Mm. like, so it was a, like, like the, the, the housing uh, was was sort of a fundamental component to that great recession and a paid for house is supposed to be part of that American dream of being able to retire with a paid for house. But if your house has suddenly lost a ton of value um, and you were hoping to cash in on that to retire, well, you've got to keep working. And right. uh, yeah. and that's for clergy who own houses. Many do not because we've had to live in parsonages. Um, and so you had, at least in my field, a whole lot of clergy putting off their retirements. And so you had the surplus of clergy, and I imagine was probably true for a lot of other fields, because not wow. only were people putting off retirements, but people weren't hiring. Yeah, and so it was. It was. It was a huge sort of double whammy, and you ended up with people graduating into the workforce needing a year or years plural 
to find full-time jobs, and often those jobs were, you know, with lousy pay or lousy benefits. And the the problem that kind of lingered was a it sort of destroyed our um, sort of ability to save for retirement because that's what you know every financial advisor says to start as young as possible. We couldn't, but it created a decade of this mentality of employers having all of the leverage to dictate all of the terms. That. Yeah. And once that changed. With, because this is a very different recession that we, we, we've had as a result of COVID. And it's going to impact Gen Z just like the Great Recession impacted millennials. Like, I think you're mm-hmm, going to see economic yeah. fallout for Gen Z. But, but really? and one of the reasons for that is because a lot of employers haven't accepted that this is a different, this is a different moment than 2010 mm-hmm. or 2011 or 2012 was. And they don't have all of the leverage, but they're still trying to. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and right. so that's why mm-hmm. you, you still see postings without salary information or with awful salary information or, you know, like, or, or, or oh, trying yeah. to. Especially in the yeah. nonprofit mm-hmm. world. Or oh expecting, I'm like, you know, full work from an office that, of course, is, you know, if there were another. Omicron like surge would just devastate the entire office, you know? Um, right. Like, so there has, there's still, there's still that um, level of, I don't know if you want to call it denial or just a desire to retain status. But again, mm-hmm. to me, that is very similar to the church of we want to retain the status of doing things the way we had done them because that had benefited us. Yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 but that's mm-hmm. not the world we live in anymore and you can't no. make that you can't force that world into being mm-hmm. um and so i don't know how, exactly how it's all gonna how that's gonna fall out but i do right. think you know for us coming of age in the great recession and then s- sort of experiencing this this uh, economic i don't know what you call it i know it was there was a you know a, a really sharp downturn um in, in in just across the board, not just housing. So I don't, I don't know what you would call it. I'm not. not I, I went to God school, not not economic school. But <laughs> but as as devast. What I'm trying to say is as devastating as the Great Recession was. I don't know for how long we're going to be measuring the fallout of this. Yeah. Of, of the of the current moment, like hmm. it's going to hmm. like. Like I think. I mean, do you I, see I, upsides that are mm-hmm. emerging? Like I, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. noticing I have a Gen Z kid. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't really want a whole lot, you know. Like, yeah. like it's experience and time, and you know, yeah. I don't. I'm wondering what might be what might have been planted in there. Like yeah. we don't want stuff. We don't want to like. Uh, hopefully, it'll I make its think- way into the. Legislation, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Let me yeah, really quick ahead. though, just because I do think, obviously, I know you're so mindful of this, Anne. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a call yeah. out, but I do think it's a very privileged position 100%. to be able to reject. Yeah. Like to, you have to be all, you have to already have access to the American dream to reject. Hundred percent. And yeah. I think for the majority of Americans, um, you can call me out too. By the way, like I like that. Yeah. Oh no, but no, because I know you didn't mean it that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm just saying yeah. that 
it's I think it is like easy for the for the August cherries of the world to say, oh, I don't need, you know, I don't. But for, um, you know, like the way I grew up was in um, we didn't have anything. We didn't have any money. You know, Mm -hmm. my my parents struggled to have employment in some years. And um, we grew up I grew up in a very poor neighborhood. And um, the American dream meant safety Mm -hmm. for me and my family. I have to do I have Mm -hmm. to do the thing I'm being told to do so I can finally stop feeling stress and unsafe every day of my life. You know, and I think that that's probably where the majority of Americans are. Yeah. So what, so I think, I mean, first of all, we're talking about a redefinition of the American dream over generations, right? Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. our parents' generations, like if they had work, they like ground themselves into the dirt, like working so, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. much, but they didn't always, in order to try to achieve that level of security or safety and you know, a lot of that could come about through, um, you know, through any number of things. Here in Alabama, uh, the the irony is that we're sort of hugely dependent on federal grant money for infrastructure and other projects. And the dream could look like being able to get one of those jobs. But the flip side Mm -hmm. of that dream is, like, for instance, we're trying to build a highway between Mobile and Tuscaloosa that's going to displace a lot of people uh, who are overwhelmingly black and impoverished because that's through Alabama's black belt. And so right. is, is the, is the American dream sort of this new gleaming highway or is it being able to keep your home? Right. I have seen though. I don't know if you know about this in Oakland, Eric, but my brother was just telling me that they're um, planning t- or they're tr- they're trying to plan, or it may have just gotten approved to take the 980 mm-hmm. out. The 980 highway was put there specifically to separate the the black community in West Oakland from mm-hmm. uh, the pre- predominantly white community over on the other side near mm-hmm. Lake Merritt. And so Brant said, my brother said that they're they're planning to, to take the yeah. highway out and stop this you know this historical racial division yeah. that had dis- at the time displaced predominantly African American yep. families from their yep. homes. Yeah. So there so I want to say there is some <laughs> well, hope. So, but like, <laughs> well, can we want... get out of our cars too? Well, can we invest yeah. in public transportation? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Just like though. more and more and more lanes and yeah, I don't know yeah. what anyways. And, I'm hoping but, that some of that starts to get reimagined. Yeah. Right. But so if you talk about the American dream as a progression of like you know, our infrastructure and in sort of um, technological capacity as a country, you know, which I think was a big part of the, the American dream of sort of the, the interstate highway system and sort of all of the building and growth of the 50s and 60s. Well, what's the flip side of that is, you know, who is, who's displaced, whose land was it, and who is it for to mm-hmm. begin with? Right. And... Um, Yes. People don't want to no, think about that. like, no, that's a really so what, good foundational question. So the American dream, Ponder. yeah, has yeah. to get redefined, not just across generational lines, but I think along ethnic and racial lines and socioeconomic yes. lines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my family coming, like fleeing a genocide in the First World War, my great-grandmother arrived in San Francisco, California in 1919 in California, because it had that influx, those influx of Armenian refugees, immediately began passing redlining laws, where Armenians yeah. weren't allowed to buy houses in certain mm-hmm. neighborhoods and couldn't occupy certain occup- uh, professions. Five how, years yeah. later, the United States banned Armenians from immigrating to the U.S. at all. 
for almost 30 years. That, like that lost down oh. book for almost 30 years. And so what does the American dream look like? Like my family was able to be safe here and secure here. So that part of the dream was realized, but full acceptance, right? that took a lot longer. And we're still working mm-hmm. towards it. It yeah. took until the Kardashians uh, took over oh, America. Yes, <laughs> I will not answer for that. <laughs> All right. If, if, if this is the gotcha, if this is the, the gotcha part Americans. of the interview, I am. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I, I just, yeah. I'm so, just being funny. Yeah. So, so, but, yeah, so yeah. there are different components <laughs> to the American dream yeah. that may, that, that, like, that do change over time and do change based on your social location. Um, absolutely. Um, I guess I wanted to make sure that we get to a little bit about, um, what your spiritual practice means Mm -hmm. to you or looks like for you and, um, what that could look like for someone who's wanting to start one or come back Mm -hmm. to one. And um and maybe end yep. you know end there and then we have the feelings yeah. game okay to play at the end so just okay. so you know uh, that's coming up start digging so, down deep spiritual practice yeah. Eric yeah. Yeah. what is it so, what does it look like to you yeah. these days so what could it look yeah. like for others so let's let's put I, I want to postulate this first which is that uh, even mm-hmm. before COVID but especially COVID one of the the ways that sort of the pandemic poured gasoline on the fire was the way in which we have to allocate our time. Like having to work mm. from home did mm-hmm. that, having to juggle, you know, if you're a parent and you didn't have childcare like that impacted it, school closures, all of that. So across the board, let's yeah. postulate that. How do you carve aside time for a spiritual discipline to begin with? Um, because, you know, if you look at just, you know, if you show me your day planner I'll show you, I'll tell you what your highest priorities are. And that may be by choice or necessity, but they are our highest priorities. So how do you carve away that time? Um, and I'll give one mm-hmm. example that is super mundane, but ended up making a huge difference for me. Uh, you know, we just finished the church season of Lent. Uh, a few years ago for Lent, I gave up eating lunch out. Like no going out for a sandwich or a burger, like gave that up. And over over the course of of the last few years, I've noticed I've went from like, you know, going out to to pick up a sandwich or a burger to packing my lunch eighty or ninety percent of the time, which means I'm not driving out to go somewhere and I'm spending less money. I'm contributing less uh, uh, gasoline emissions into the environment, but I also have more time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, how do I use that time? And for me, I've chosen to sort of use it in a in a number of different ways. Um, some of it could simply be personal um, education or trying to keep up uh, a habit of reading for, for pleasure. Um, it, it could be um, trying to take uh, sort of mi- a, being more active midday. My congregation, my church has like a walking trail that they built kind of around the entire campus uh, that's really very beautiful. Um, and it could be something as simple as me watching videos of my of my silly little kid. Like, whatever it is that's going to mm. set me free from the demands of that morning and set me up to be able to meet the demands of that afternoon. But, but I had to create mm. that time. 
Yeah. And so that thing that I gave mm-hmm. up for Lent. So that's mm-hmm. again sort of setting me free from from having to sort of do a second commute for a meal. Um, so right. again, something that seems super mundane, but it has this domino effect of creating time. The other resource that we sort of need is, for lack of a better term, presence. Like, am I able to, to sort of be able to tune out everything else? And again, I think the pandemic really made that no, tough. No, the answer yeah. is no. No, the <laughs> pandemic made that tough. If, if you're like me yeah. and Allison and you live with mental illness, that makes it tough, yes. you know? Yeah. Right. Very tough. And so I've had to learn how to accept my mental illness and realize that mm-hmm. some days I'm able to focus in a state of very little around me and other days that's impossible and I need to be moving or I need to have some sort of stimulus in order to focus. And I don't always know which day that's going to be. Like if I'm going to yeah. wake up and be able to focus with nothing around me or if I need to have something to root me and anger yeah. me. Like honestly, it changes from mm-hmm. day to day. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's and infuriating so, not to be able to plan the days that your mental illness is going to take over. I, I know, right? Well, yeah. I just want yeah. to pause for one second and like recognize how incredible it is to be talking about faith, spirituality, and mental health and mental illness yes. in the same mm-hmm. breath. Yes. Thank you for holding that space, yeah. Eric, yes. because this is where the conversation needs to be Mm -hmm. and it's incredible to hear you talk about it and normalize that and i just want to say thank you like coming from kansas which is you know it's not the deep deep south but it is the bible belt and you know growing Mm -hmm. up even in the 90s there was still some of that stigma around um as a person of faith seeking psychological uh or psychiatric treatment um absolutely the thing is like and what is fundamentally flawed about biblical counseling for lack of a better term is that my mental illness isn't a demon to be exorcised. It is right. a state of being to, um, for lack of a better term, uh, to live as fully as possible in. Like, I, I can't mm. get rid of, I can't get rid of depression. That's I right. Can't, I can't send it into a herd of pigs and send the pigs jumping off a cliff. Like, I am right. not Jesus. I cannot do that. <laughs> I cannot do that with my anxiety. Is that is that in the Bible? Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Mark Mark five, the the Gerasene demoniac. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he sends a, a demon into a herd of pigs, um, like, and so I like that visual though. And, I do I do like that. So it's, okay, it, 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 but it's not resignation. Like I'm not resigning myself to letting the illness take over. Right. It's right. it's it's that acceptance level, I guess, of grief or of processing. I accept. That I have this, I have this mental illness diagnosis. How do I um, build something for myself, mm-hmm. acknowledging that this exists? Yes, and mm-hmm. I, and yes. I can't tell, mm-hmm. and, and I can't tell you how, what that looks like for you because what I'm saying is it looks different for me every day. Someday That's I it. need, mm-hmm. some days I need the external mm-hmm. stimulus of a devotion or music or something to anchor me. Other times I can't handle it and I need nothing at all. Right. Um, yeah, there's no so, prescription. People right. are looking for prescriptions. Mm. What are the steps? Yeah. Give me the steps so I and, don't feel all this. Yeah. Right. And so, but, the but first, this is a prescription. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it's just that I mean, this this in and of itself of like meet meet yourself where mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. could be a person's spiritual practice. Yeah. Like that feels 
very yeah. loving and you know and like maybe that's all you can do today yeah is just to meet yourself exactly and, where and, you and, are yeah like that's really beautiful and i think that's like an yeah i would say like you said it much better than i like you found words that i was sort of reaching blindly for um which was like um or i want to say blindly unknowingly for which was that like spiritual spiritual practice needs to be built on sort of an awareness of of of, of your own needs yeah. and i think that's tough because yeah. and that's wow. tough because we are told wow. we are told in commercials and advertisements and by other by our peers what our needs are supposed to be that's right but right. that may not be what mm-hmm. your need is mm-hmm. and it is hard to know <laughs> yeah i yeah i just still always joke i've brought it up on this podcast before about that book the adult children's guide to what's normal yeah and it has like a list of like if you if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, here's a list of what non-dysfunctional families, like actual functional families, like here's a list of what's normal in those families. And I was like, finally, <laughs> someone told <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Completely. But like, yes. it's so, but like yeah. if that's your normal, if that's like if that has was what you were conditioned on, especially in formative years or for a long period of time, like it, it's you know, I, I see the same thing, um, you know, and my colleagues see the same things in congregations that have, that aren't, that are not functional. Um, is like, if you've been a part of that, that family system for so long, your sense yeah. of what is normal becomes so skewed, you know, or so, um, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. It's a little like, um, I don't know. Did, like, Allison, did you grow up with D.A.R.E.? Did they ever give you, like, the drug goggles? Like, here's what the world looks like no, to you when you no, are... No, we didn't have yeah, drug like, goggles. So they had us try those on, like, these goggles of, like, here's what the world looks like to you when you're intoxicated. Um, and it was pretty, it was pretty profound. Uh, because it's like... <laughs> it, it, was, it was. It was like... Uh, like, you're still in your surroundings, but it's so... Um, so warped that you know, um, it's tough to recognize. Um, yes, that is what, that's exactly what it's yeah. like growing up with a dysfunctional yeah. family. Thank you for that. It's like having the drug goggles yeah. on. And, uh, <laughs> and, and there are any number of things that can kind of influence or impact our, our outlook like that. So we actually lost Anne for a minute. Uh, she, her power has gone out. Um, so she's going to try and hop on again, but I guess while we're waiting for her to hop on for the feelings game, um, I just want to say thank you so much, Eric, um, for joining. And I'm just, I'm already imagining all the social media posts we can, you're very quotable. So thank you. (laughs) That, that is a double-edged sword. Uh, but thank you. I know, but it's like, I, you have to play the game, you know, like that's like when I'm in my worst depressive Mm -hmm. moments, I'm like, pick a game and mm-hmm. play it, which is why I love like your kind of Oregon Trail, mm-hmm. you know, theology because it's like, you like we can't just change the reality that we're living in. So I'm always like, what what do you want to play mm-hmm. today? You know, do you want to tr- play some capitalism? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, are you gonna play? You know, some, uh, you know, some ministry, or are you gonna play, um, you know, some 
focus on on yourself like what so that you can then do the ministry like are you gonna play you know a much less uh, a much less satisfying version of yourself you know and, and it's and, and no and every day we wake up and we with those choice like those choices we make we choose what game you know not only what game we're gonna play but we ha- how I mean we have it. to yeah 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 um, I'm I'm gonna have to play some capitalism soon mm-hmm. because I got I got yep. bills to pay. I quit my job, yeah. you know, six weeks ago, and uh, it's been fun. But I we we just we are we're on a treadmill that we have yep. to just keep. You know, we have to it's keep a hamster going. wheel, and we're the hamster. Yes, hamster, the hamster wheel. Um, <laughs> so speaking of wheels, feelingswheel.com. Do you, I'll just the way we play it is that. Like my finger will just go around and you'll say stop. And when I get to a feeling, you'll get a feeling and you'll just share um, a time recently that you felt that feeling and what it feels like in the body. Okay. So go ahead and just say stop (laughs) whenever. Okay, stop. Um, Okay, so the feeling that you got is apathetic. Um, When did I recently feel apathetic? So this is a good one. you know, so we talked at the, we, we started by talking about our adventures in, in home buying and uh, our house we knew was going to be a work in progress and we, we would need a bunch of repairs and we were mm-hmm. ready to do them. Uh, one of them was new windows. And um, after many months of waiting, we finally got, uh, our contractor finally got back to us and said the trades, the trades people finally came back with the windows. And I mean, like this was like four or five months and by that point, it had been so long that was like, I don't care. Put them in whenever. Put them in however. <laughs> just get them in. Okay. But the, the consequence of that was that meant that it was a sermon writing day for me. And so I'm trying to like sit here and write while like, you know, you know uh, buzz saws are going off in the background. Oh, it's no, a sort of yeah. my own apathy okay. in not planning this out led to... Uh, Led to a pretty interesting sensory experience. But hey, we have we, we have new windows now. Got it. So. When you think of what apathy feels like in your body, what does it feel like? <sighs> Almost resignation, like a, a sort of like I don't care. Just like whatever, whatever's going to happen. I clearly like this is so far out of my control. So it's almost like an out of control thing. And so because it's out of my control, I can't invest the spoons mm-hmm. in caring about it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Um, okay. And then if you could help me with mine and tell me when to stop, and this, is, this will be my okay. word. And stop. My word is free. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like apathetic, to be honest. It's just like <laughs> a little bit. It's like... <laughs> Um, free feels, I, my, my body feels very light. Um, and you were talking a lot about this, this kind of like liber- personal or liberation or, so it's, it's a lightness in my body. It's like, um, it's like yellows and whites is kind of what it looks like and feels like in my body. And it's like upper in my chest. Um, I got the word free and, and, um, a time that I felt free. 
Mm. <laughs> oh, um, I went to Bryce Canyon recently and I would just wake up and think like, where am I going to go trail running today and just go wherever I felt like it and just started running. And that's when I felt free a time recently. I just, I went there a couple of weeks ago. So I know Eric has to run and Anne's having technical difficulties. So unfortunately, uh, we're not going to get a feeling game, <laughs> Anne, which she's loving. But yeah. Eric, thank you so, so much yeah. for playing the game and for inspiring us with oh. all of your wisdom. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for 100%. having me on and for the conversation. Like this hour and a half flew by and then all of a sudden I had to tell Allison, tell Allison oh no, I actually need to go. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah so. Go get the millennials and the yeah. Gen Zers. I, I just, uh, we yeah. need to be in community. Absolutely. We can't do this alone. <laughs> Whatever we're trying to do here. It's, uh, yeah, it's Amen. essential. So Whatever that yeah. looks like. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you so much, y'all. Bye, Bye. Eric. <laughs> okay, and yours is working again. What I wanted the- to let Eric go, but you're going to do a feeling. Okay, so tell me when to okay. stop. All right. Okay, I'm really planning the stop. Bitter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bitter. Bitter, bitter, bitter. That's what I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I noticed you. Did you say that you did it in your body first and then talked about it? I did. Is that what did did I see? Order of operations there. Okay. Let me think. Bitter. um, I'll do. I'm going to do that too because sometimes I start thinking the feeling first. So I want to just have. I want the feeling of bitterness when you when I got that. It's almost like in my chest. It went very sharp. Mm. Like I can sense. Like like just right in the middle and there's all this just like lots of sharp um sensations Mm -hmm. going across the chest like coming out like it's it's like uh it's very get away from me is the sense of it or um yeah Mm. doesn't feel great Mm. um but when have i felt bitter oh when do i not feel (laughs) This is always that one. When do I not? These are more baseline feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say over this last week, which was spring break, Mm -hmm. um, and we did at August Demand, we did a staycation, which we were like, yeah, sounds good. We'll just hang around here. Again, that unstructured time, just stretching out what to do with a kid all day. Um, So there was, it was really up and down. Like I, my... um, I could also, I sense that I really wanted a lot of me, my own time because I've set my new office up and I just wanted to come down here and play. And I wasn't getting like either unable to ask or we couldn't plan for it. But like there was a lot of bitterness over this last week mm. um, of like, why did we have a kid so late? Why am I married? Being single would be so much easier. I could just do what I want to do. Yeah. So I kind of lived in a state of like, ick. Yeah. Like, and then then from there, not being able to like, let's go on a hike. I know, you know, I had to really pull in the strategies of moving my body is always better. So yes. I got to the pool, got to the Y. Always, always, that is one thing that always works. And lots of my parts, my bitter parts are like, no, you deserve more time. You know, they, they're really a tough voice in there. So, um, so yeah, I was 
planning a divorce and um, putting my kid up for adoption this this last week. Nice. So bitterness. Thank you, Anne. Bitterness. <laughs> You're welcome. So yeah, it's fun times. It was a great vacation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, it yeah. was so great having Eric on. Oh my gosh. So, oh my gosh. I just am absolutely just wonderful. Like, yeah, it's like traveling doing this podcast. We get to travel. We do. And meet we people do. That was just wonderful. Yeah. Feeling very nourished. Yes. Spiritually. Big time. So, all right. See you next time. Okay. Bye. <laughs>